Psalm 102. And we meant to get through all this material last week, but we did not. <laughs> so we're finishing our discussion on creation. And last week, we talked about the six days of creation. Are they six literal 24-hour days? We hopefully saw that there is a dividing line. And we're going to get more into what that dividing line looks like today. But there are some brothers and sisters in Christ that believe fully in the Scriptures, believe in salvation by grace through faith, believe that God created all things, that, uh, that take differing views. And uh, we, can, we can respect that. Uh, we have good reason to believe that we're talking about six literal days in creation, uh, hermeneutically. Uh, and uh, exegetically, we have reason for those beliefs. But there are those that, that look take a day-age view. There are those that take a framework view, that look at, uh, look at a, a liter- a Genesis 1 as a literary device uh, that is describing literary, in a literary way, not a chronologically way of God creating. And... Uh, there are brothers and sisters in Christ, and we're, we don't want to divide over something that is not necessarily apparent in the Scriptures. Now, what is apparent is God created all things, and by Him they were created. There is nothing that exists that this does not find its cause in God. Amen? Uh, so, we're going to look a little bit more about that today, but... Really, uh, as we're following John Frame's outline here in our systematic theology, I want to talk about the age of the earth, uh, which is another kind of hot topic. <laughs> How old's the earth? All right, so we, 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 we uh, go to Usher's dating system and we count backwards. We're looking at all the, uh, all the genealogies. And it come and Usher says, if we take all those into account, the earth was created 4,004 B.C., so roughly uh, a little over 6,000 years ago. Now, is that correct? All right, let's, let's, let's look at the Scripture data. All right. How long has the earth been here? Psalm 102. Um, verse 25 of old thou hast laid the foundation of the earth the heavens are the work of thy hand they shall perish but thou shalt endure yea all of them shall wax old like a garment we get the second law of thermodynamics right here long before scientists ever discovered it Things are breaking down. Things are decaying. Things are not. Energy is not becoming more usable. It's becoming yes, less usable. Uh, things are changing. They're waxing old. So the universe is getting old, but it says it is old. How old? I don't know. It says in verse twenty-five, "Of old, 
It doesn't tell us how old. It just says, of old. There's going to be a new heaven one day. It'll be brand new. <laughs> and it'll be young. Uh, but whether or not we live in a young earth or an old earth is not something you're going to directly get from any scriptural passages. So we have old earth creationism versus young earth creationism. Well, I don't know why I put capital on one. So, old earth versus young earth. Now, Psalm 102 didn't tell us how old it was. It just says it's old. Uh, so, Psalm 102 doesn't answer the question. And it says it's getting old. It's getting older all the time, just like you and me, right? <laughs> We're getting older every day and starting to creak and starting to, starting to wear down, starting to lose energy, just like the universe around us. So, I like John Frame's approach. He simply says, I don't know. I don't know how old the earth is. Now, adding up the genealogies will give you a roundabout number. Uh, but that doesn't directly tell you anything. Uh, and obviously this is connected with what we were talking about next, uh, last week. rather. Um, if you take a day-age theory as opposed to a six-day creation um, reading of Genesis 1, obviously you're going to come up with something a little bit older than the uh, six-day creation. Uh, and there's some other devices that people have. But exegetically, you're not going to really say, well, I got this directly from the text. No, I got this from adding numbers from various texts in various places. And I have to assume certain truths about those numbers in order for those numbers to be true. Uh, so I don't think any of us have access really to a date or a time. And while there's compelling evidence for us to say exegetically, God, God created in six literal days, evenings and mornings, um, and that is inherent in the text that that is true, uh, there are certain things we don't know and we have to assume. Um, one, one thing, and you all may have heard this, the one exegetical place that people have tr tried, or not exegetical, but uh, the one place in the text, I'm not going to say it's exegetical, but uh, between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, they say there is a... Gap. Have anybody heard of the gap theory? Down in Florida, I, was, I called it the gap theory, and someone says, no, you mean the gap fact. <laughs> they, uh, they, were very, um, they were very ardent about this. Now, what, what's the gap theory? Anybody know? All right. There's a gap between, between Genesis 1-1, which says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and Genesis 1-2, that this gap exists right between those two. 
in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And what they will say, as it said, what, what does our text say? It says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was, the earth was uh, without form and void, and darkness covered the face. What they will say is, that should not be was, that's a mistranslation they say, but that the earth became without form and void. Now, I don't think that's a good reading of the text. I don't know anybody that real outside of people who are ardent wanting to say that this is indeed a old earth would read that text that way any, either. So, if they are correct, and I don't believe they are, the earth, what, what they do is they, read, they do something called eisegesis from that point. They will say that that little word became, which is not a good reading, means that between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, there must have been a judgment. And who was judged? Well, now they got to say, well, the angels were judged. And some of me say, even say a pre-Adamite race was judged. Um, and you get all kinds of weird ideas. And, and, and so they try to fit a whole lot. They say darkness without form. Those are, those are terms of judgment. Water covering the face of the earth. They'll call this the first great flood. That's reading a whole lot into silence between two verses. But that's the gap theory. Um, so they, they will... They will try to say various things about uh, they'll they'll reinterpret First Peter chapter or Second Peter chapter three to say that that's talking about uh, not the great flood of Noah but the great deluge between these two verses and everything. Now, hopefully, you all can see that you're reading a whole lot of stuff into a Bible verse or into silence between two verses that you can't you don't have biblical data for so uh, there's no reason to believe this unless you're trying to get this an old earth an older earth <laughs> because the bible does say the earth is old uh it's of old and it's getting older but uh how old we don't know but unless you want to fit a vast amount of time into the earth itself, there's no reason to believe in this gap. So young earth view, though, implies the proposition that God created. So they'll say, what are, what are the arguments against the young earth? We've got to understand there are arguments against a young earth. I, you can judge for yourself whether or not those are uh, valid or not, but let's look at what the arguments are. It's simply this, uh, that God would have had to create everything with apparent age. Don't let me know if I misspelled that, because then I will 
apparent age. What do I mean? All right, let's say that a scientist, 10 minutes after creation, got a chance to examine Adam after he was created. How old would they say Adam was? If they did not know about creation, and Adam was, was able, 10 minutes after he created, to walk in and say, I need, I'm here for a medical exam, how old would they say Adam was? I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't say. But we have the idea that he was mature. Right? He appeared by all outward signs to be a mature man. And we do and a doctor is asked to examine Eve. Eve is created. Uh, it didn't say Adam went to sleep and there was an embryo created and that embryo uh, began to develop and after 20 years, uh, Adam was able to take himself a wife. No, it says he went to sleep and he woke up and ma'am, there's a woman, right? And they performed the first wedding ceremony. So, this, this, so Eve walks into a doctor and the doctor examines Eve. How old, without any knowledge, how old would the doctor think Eve was? I don't know. <laughs> But he would say, she's mature. She's, she's, uh, she's developed to a certain point of maturity. So, is the argument then, and this just doesn't apply to Adam and Eve, this applies to many things, the argument is, against the young earth ideology, is that God is deceiving us about the age of things. So is God deceiving? About age. That's the argument. Uh, so God, I want to say this, and I, I want to go ahead and quote John Frame. God does not tell us in natural revelation that every mature person has existed more than ten years. You're not going to find that in the Bible anywhere. Uh, that that Adam, Adam must have developed and must be this. He must be 30 years old because he appears 30 years old. But it doesn't, it doesn't say that that is an appropriate way to age something. Obviously, when we're talking about judging the age of something, we are not taking into account that, uh, that uh, special creation comes with apparent age. Does that make sense? Special, if we're judging a special act of creation, it's not going to be judged the same way that we judge other things. Um, so uh, he cannot be charged with lying to us when he miraculously produces an exception to a general rule, can he? So I don't think the idea that God somehow is deceiving us if things appear mature at creation. Because you're still going to end up, this, this is kind of the old chicken and the egg problem, right? Which came first, the chicken or the egg? The chicken. <laughs> if you're going to believe the Bible, the chicken came first. Uh, and, that, and that chicken comes with apparent age. And if you were to examine that first chicken, that chicken would look like it was probably produced the same way uh, that any other chicken was. So you cannot judge a special act of creation the same way you would judge the normal processes. Um, 
and that's apparent. And, that, and, and so people have argued that God is lying to us. Let's take, a, let's, uh, take uh, another instance. What about distant starlight? Is this the same kind of problem? Because if they say the nearest star uh, is how far? How far is the nearest star away? It's like a like a hundred light years, something like that. They say there are some stars. Most a lot of the stars you're looking at are sometimes uh, uh, sometimes a hundred million light years away. And what 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 is that saying? The universe has apparent age. At some point, the universe was stretched out, and things appear moving away from one another. You can't fault astronomers for saying, this appears to be 100 million light years away. Can you? Any more than you can say the doctor is silly for saying Adam must be 30. 10 minutes after creation, right? Or the chicken must have been produced by normal ways, uh, just normal ways that chickens in our ideas are produced. So if we're calculating uh, distant starlight, which by the way, when someone says a, a star is 100 million light years away, that is not necessarily a statement of time. You understand that, right? That's a statement of distance, not time. Natural, if things were judged naturally, that's how long that light would have taken to get to us to press that distance. So it's not a, it's not a statement of distance, it's a statement of time. So the universe, the universe itself, creation itself came with apparent age. And, it's, and, and we can't fault people for reading it a certain way and assuming that things were, that the natural processes that you and I see, if we were to, if we were to apply that to the distant starlight or we were to apply that to other things in the universe, we'll have the apparent age. We don't know how old it is, but we know when it was created, it looked like it was old. Or at least mature. It looked like a mature world. It looked like a mature universe. So, like, like I said, I'm going to say this again. Uh, Genesis does not tell us, God is not lying, because Genesis does not tell us that the data, the way to, ter- the, the scientific theory and methods by which the interpretation of that data is sound. There's nothing in the Bible says, okay, this is how you're going to calculate the, uh, the, the age of the universe. Now, Usher came in and says, this is how we calculate the age of the universe. We add up all the genealogies. Okay? Well, maybe there's some missing genealogies. If you compare Matthew and Luke, there appears to be, where uh, you compare Luke with Genesis, there appears to have been some missing genealogies. There are. There's a couple extra there in Luke that weren't, weren't in Genesis. Um, is it possible? But are you going to get a significantly old earth by saying there's a few missing generations? No, you're not. But we have to understand that God did create things with apparent age. Special acts of creation come with that ideology. Um, so, 
So, uh, like rings, in, were there rings in the trees when God created them? God created these trees. Did were there rings in them? I don't know, but I know if I cut down a tree today, I'd find rings. I would believe that God probably there was rings in the trees that God first created. What are those rings? Apparent age. I was throwing this uh, at Holly the other day. Uh, do you think Adam had a navel? I'd say he probably did. <laughs> but uh, if he did, it would it, it would somehow it would somehow suggest that an event that did not really occur, just like the rings in the trees, just like the just just like the the uh, distant starlight. It would suggest an event that did not occur. Is God deceptive? No, because God never said that that's what we would find. God created a mature world filled with mature things. This, I mean, this, this is uh, an idea that, that, that's hard to wrap our mind around. I, I know it's mocked. Uh, I know one preacher, one preacher said, uh, said what, what, about, what about dead things? Okay, what about fossils? What about, what about fossils? Were there fossils? Did God create fossils? Let me, let me say this, and I'm not going to read the whole quote, but it was a very good quote. What makes, what makes soil rich and fertile? Dead things. Did God create rich and fertile soil? You know what that, so did God. Uh, we had this one preacher who says, well, well, the devil put dinosaurs here to make the earth or, or appear old. Uh, that's, that's silliness. The devil did no such thing. But did God create a world with apparent age? And does that disturb our idea? I'm, I'm going to say one thing. I, 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 ho- I hope this is interesting to you. It's just I'm trying to ma- make it, make it, a, make it a little thought provoking. Would it bother you if things died before Adam sinned? Why? Would it bother you if things decayed before Adam sinned? Would that include Adam eating food and digesting it? There's a sense where decay existed before then. Turn to turn to Genesis chapter or uh, Romans chapter five. I think sometimes we can overstate a case. Do I believe that death existed before Adam? Well, it depends on what you mean by death. Uh, do I believe that? Re- the, the, do I believe? I, I don't know that I necessarily believe that predators became predators after or. Like like mosquitoes didn't drink blood before, uh, before uh, uh, the advent of the fall. Uh, you you can get you can overstate your case, and if we simply stick with what the scriptures say, what does it say? Not every old earth creationist is necessarily wrong. Romans chapter five verse twelve. What does it say? It says 
I'll get to Romans eventually. And I'm not saying death occurred before Adam. I don't get me wrong. I just want to say we need to we need to state the case correctly. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all. What's that next word? Men. One thing I do know: death did not exist with mankind before the fall. I don't know anything else besides that. And we can sometimes overstate our case to the point where we painted ourselves in a wall or, or painted ourselves in a corner or something like You ever do that and you're painting around and painting a floor and you end up in a corner and you can't get out? Uh, God created things with apparent age. I think that's clear from the, gen- from the Genesis account. And God is not deceiving us by doing those. And that, in- that includes a certain amount of decay, a certain amount of things of that nature that God created within a system that continued to operate according to his commands. What does all this mean? It just simply means this, that... We don't necessarily have enough data to solve just little issues like this. I think Usher was probably, I, lean, I, I believe in a young earth. I think there is, there is good arguments on a lot of things. But we don't necessarily have enough data to say anything or to say that there are people that believe this and they're just heretics. Now, I will say, I think they've got a really bad argument with Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. And I think they've got a bad argument if they say the six, six days of creation were not literal. And I, I, think they, I think they are standing on bad exegetical grounds if they try to fit many ages and many things in order to, in order to accommodate scientific theories. But... We have to come step away and say, I don't really know much as much about this particular subject as I thought I did. And what we have to do is simply believe what the text says. Now, when it says death, wherefore is by one man sin entered the world and death by sin, does world there mean the entire universe or does world there mean the world of men? I don't know. Um, but we can't necessarily say that there are people that hold the this are necessarily evil or they're bad Christians or anything of that nature. Does that make sense? Now, what is the true dividing line? What is the true dividing line is this. We cannot believe, because you and I are making accommodations for science all the time. We have an, uh, we phenomenologically see the see the earth or the sun rising, the sun setting. There are Christians in history past that says that was what that was phenomenologically what was happening. The earth, the sun was in motion, and and people like Copernicus and people like Galileo came and they looked at they looked at the star, they looked at the motion of the planets, and they say no, we got this wrong. 
And, and, and some of you all that were interpreting the scriptures in a certain way uh, are reading it wrong. And we have to have enough humility to say, hey, I might have been reading this wrong. Uh, there's not a problem with the scriptures, but there can be a problem with my interpretation of the scriptures. So were those Christians necessarily wrong when they said, okay, well, the earth is the one in motion. The, the sun apparently is the one moving or is stationary. Uh, and so sometimes there are times where we have to accommodate, but what we cannot accommodate is a belief that flatly rejects the scriptures. And what flatly rejects the scriptures? A process of evolution. Bill Johnson said, the reason people believe in evolution is because it's the only thing they have except for accepting the accounts of creation. So, I have a problem with people who say they are Christians, like Dr. William Lane Craig, who says, no, Genesis is mytho-history, and how you tell the difference between what's myth and what's not in Genesis, I don't know. But what really happened was, is there was this process of evolution whereby uh, Adam developed from lower, lower animals, and you have all this death and all this destruction, and, and, and then there came Adam who developed from that, and he became the very first ensouled hominid. I think that's heresy. He is positing processes that deny the special acts of creation immediately done by God. And if our, if our brothers are trying to posit an old earth in order to accommodate a godless explanation for the development of things, then they departed from the truth of the scriptures. Does that make sense? There is a dividing line. I, 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 can, I can hold hands with an old earth, create, uh, old earth creationist, but I cannot hold hands with an old earth theistic evolutionist that says, okay, God was guiding this process because what have they done? They denied the authority of the scriptures. And there's the problem. So, why do we reject? What is it that we must reject when we're coming to the society of creation? We must reject this idea that God did not immediately create, directly create. And people like William Lane Craig departed from that. And I got to the point where I just can't read his books anymore. I, I, uh, I've enjoyed some of his books. I've learned a lot from some of his books, but he's wrong. I'm not saying he's lost. I'm saying he has compromised the word of God. God did not take an already existing living creature and make that living creature especially human. That's not the account of creation. The account of creation of man is this. 
God formed man from the dust of the ground as an immediate act and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and he became a living soul. And that is a description of something being made in the image of God directly by God. That is not a process that is built upon a denial of God and his word. Uh, the frequent repetitions. You cannot come up with evolution by reading Genesis. What do you get? You get things were made, all things were made, after, I'm sorry, I made those quotation marks, after their, what's the next word? Kind. That God made kinds of animals. There's, there is separations and distinctions. The one did not develop from another, but he specifically and immediately made them as they are and made them produce only after their kinds. Which means that no matter how much you study apparent age and all that, you will never come up with a development of one kind becoming another kind through any natural process. That is a denial of the, uh, of the direct reading and authority of the scriptures. There are, and by the way, we know this scientifically. We know that there are limits to breeding, right? You can cross a uh, donkey and a horse and you get a a mule? Can that mule have kids? No, it becomes sterile. You hit a brick wall. That's as far as you can go. Why? Because each only brings forth after its own kind. If you believe the scriptures, evolution must be false. All the processes of evolution must be false. And anything that they are, anything evidence that they bring forth cannot deny the truths and authority of the scriptures. In fact, they have Fruit flies, what, what, how, how long is their life expectancy? I mean, you can produce generations and generations and generations, literally, of fruit flies. And they've been doing it for years. Have they ever produced something that wasn't a fruit fly? They produce fruit flies with ten eyes and no eyes and wings and six wings and no wings. But they've only produced fruit flies. That's all they've done. And everything that they bombarded them with, them, with, with, with all these radiation to create all these, all these processes of change and manipulated the environment and everything else like that, they only produce after their own kind. And the only thing they can say is, is that microevolution is scientific, and then they have to apply it and say, therefore, we believe one kind can produce another kind and can produce another kind to eventually end up with us. That's false. Uh, those processes are unbiblical. And I, it's, I'm not going to say that any per, a person cannot be a Christian and believe in some of those things. I'm saying they can't believe in the authority of the Scripture and believe those things. They can't. Uh, so, um, believing in, in, a, uh, in a godless system as contributing to the creation is a denial of the scriptures. So, 
I'm going to end. What time is it? So we have, we have to know where to draw the line at. You and I, I, I think we can all in here say, well, I can't speak for us all, but I, I think I can generally say this. Almost everybody in here believes God created all things in six literal days. Almost everybody in here believes that generally we live in a young universe and a young earth. Generally, depending on your definition of young and old. <laughs> we believe that death did not really truly occur until Adam sinned. We, we believe these things and we have good ground for them. But what I'm hoping, that, well, hoping to have accomplished is that there is room for charity for those who may read the Bible a little bit differently. But there is room for much prayer and rebuke for those who deny the authority of the scriptures in the matter. And, and there's where we have to draw the line. To someone, I, I have brothers that believe in a gap. But they don't deny the immediate acts of creation. And they don't deny the authority of the scriptures. They just twist it a little bit in order to come up with a in order to accommodate a little bit of the science and stuff like that that says, but you can always take that too far. And I hope we, hope we see where the line of charity and where the line of rebuke starts. And that's when they start asserting things that the scriptures are wrong. Here, we must say, no, the scriptures are not wrong. Um, when the Bible speaks clearly about the acts of creation, those are things we must believe uh, in order to uphold the, the scriptures. Any questions, complaints, grievances? What time is it? 15 till? All right, was a good time. Any questions or complaints or grievances? Have I gone too far? Was the whole question about Adam having a navel too much? (laughs) Or the rings of the trees? Or the chicken and the egg and all? (laughs) Um, One thing you can't ever do is you... uh, I don't understand how anybody looks around and says this is not a special act of creation that we're living in. Um, That there's this uh, blind, pitiless indifference that is governed and given us all this beauty and order is is a tragedy that uh, that someone would even believe that. Uh, When we approach the scriptures, even with the issues of apparent age and all that stuff, uh, when we approach the scriptures, we, we approach what is truly coherent. There is a God that created, and that's a, that, that is a truth that is undeniable. All right, we, we're going to get into further controversy starting next week, and that's when you all are going to sharpen your pitchforks and start coming at me because we're going to spend a few weeks talking about God's, the last part of God's acts or God's decrees. What does it mean what do we mean by God decreeing all things? Uh, we have that as a matter of creation. We have, we, we have that as a matter of uh, a providence and miracle. But to what, how, how do we start to wrap our mind around that God has spoken and it was? And God has said, this will be and it will be. What, how, how do we wrap our minds around something like that when we're talking about God? And that will be, that will lend itself to many, many discussions and, and, and hopefully charitable debates among us. <laughs>
All right, we'll start that next week. And then after, after a couple of weeks, we're going to get started into the actual attributes of God. Not his acts, but his attributes. We'll start trying to describe them. All right, we've got uh, about 10, 15 minutes before the next hour.